Hello and welcome to ISME and Conversation, a podcast all about advice for leaders of independent businesses. My name is Ed Palmer, and I'll be asking our guests for the best pieces of advice that they've ever received, as well as the worst. They'll also be sharing practical and implementable tips and advice for business leaders. On this episode, we have John Stanton from Map Your Process. Now, Map Your Process help organizations understand and map business processes to help them save time, reduce costs, and grow faster. We'll be discussing exactly which processes all businesses need to have in place and how to improve them, as well as what John's system of mapping means in practice. So with that in mind, hello, John. Thank you for coming on Is Me In Conversation. Please could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Map Your Process. Yeah, hi, Ed. So my name is John Stanton. Uh, my company's called Map Your Process, and we work with small and medium-sized companies to help them find better ways of doing what they do. It's about every business has processes. And what we look to help people do is make them work as well as possible, whether that's as cheaply as possible, as fast as possible, or engineered to really support the growth of a business. And we do it all off a basis of process mapping, really understanding how the process works to start with, and use that to inform us where there's opportunities to do things better. Really basic question then, what does the map look like? What do businesses get at the end of the process of working with you? So process map is, I guess in its simplest terms, is a visual representation of how a job or a task is performed. And it's a series of boxes that link together to tell you each step within that process. And each box in a, the process map should tell you what's being done, who does it, when is it done, why is it done, and where applicable, how is it done. So five things that really give you insight to how each step in the process is performed. And we can take it from a very simple process map, which is just boxes and arrows is probably the best way of describing it, which tell you how a job is done. It's a blueprint, if you like. But we can layer it with additional data around costing, the time something takes. We can embed uh, screen recordings or videos to give much more information around how something's done. But ultimately, it's just got to be a very simple way of conveying that information. The number one thing out of all of this is people need to be able to understand it because it's really easy to get caught up in being an expert in something and you can create process maps with lots of shapes and symbols and data and colors and who knows what in there but if your audience doesn't understand it no one's ever going to use it can you give us some examples some real life examples of processes that many businesses have and what happens when companies don't have these basic processes yeah it's a good question so let's take um a process that's pretty familiar to most businesses is staff onboarding So that's a process everybody has, and it's pretty important you get that right. I think there was a study by Gallup a couple of years ago that only 12% of employees who were surveyed thought their company did a good job of onboarding staff. If you get that wrong, you find your turnover goes goes up because people just don't feel bought into the company immediately. It's reputationally damaging. And if you've got to keep hiring new people, there's a cost element to that. And the reason these things tend to go wrong is because there isn't a designed process. I've been in a situation myself where I've started a job. I've not had a desk or a PC for the first week I was there. And it's all about people not talking to each other, about not the right people doing the right things at the right time, which is something we sort of often repeat with clients. But by having that process in place, being really clear about the steps that should be taken from the whatever triggers that process off. If that's the moment somebody gets offered the job or accepts the job, that's when the onboarding process starts. At that point, every step, every responsibility should be really clearly laid out so that no one's any doubt about what they should be doing. There should be triggers in there and points of escalation. If something doesn't happen, 
people know what to do, not just sit and wait till hopefully the, the solution arrives. Yes, a client onboarding is one that we often see companies getting wrong and not because they don't know how to do the right things, just because it's not laid out to inform them as a reminder of what needs to be done. In general, are businesses aware of the value of mapping processes? So our target market is really small and medium-sized businesses. I think one of the challenges there is that they're probably aware of it, but probably doesn't think it applies to them and thinks it's more of a big business solution, which really couldn't be further from the truth because every business has processes. It doesn't matter if your business is a handful of people or thousands. People need to be clear on how those, those processes are done. Actually, in smaller companies, it can be really beneficial because you know, we work with large organizations where you want to change a process for the better, but there's layers of bureaucracy you need to go through to get it approved. Smaller businesses tend to be a bit more agile in the way they can go around changing process. So not only is it absolutely applicable to them, but they can achieve the benefits sometimes far, far quicker than the bigger organizations out there can. I guess the other thing around it is people only tend to think about process mapping when things go wrong. And typically that's a customer complaint. It could be a loss, a regulatory challenge. It could just be they're growing quickly and their processes are being left behind. You know, they realize that you know, they started a couple of years ago with a handful of people, had some very rudimentary process put together, but they've grown and grown. They get a dream client in or they get that order they've been chasing for ages. Comes in, they suddenly find those processes don't cope. That's when they tend to call us. However, if they'd looked at this a bit earlier, and had those processes in place, it starts to highlight where you're going to hit these problems a lot earlier. Yeah, and that's one of the upsides of something like ISME is working with people, you know, networking on a regular basis, you can start to get that that viewpoint across. People and businesses are, are reactive rather than proactive. It's just yeah. how, how, we, how we tend to operate. Yeah, you're right, absolutely. So uh, I'm guessing mapping a process isn't a one-off event. It's something that needs refreshing. Is that right? And how often do things need refreshing? Yeah, that's a brilliant question because it's something we get into lots of discussion with our clients about. So yeah, process mapping is not a one-off piece of work. Once you've done it, they've got to be kept up to date. You know, I always say that the only thing worse than no process maps is having incorrect ones because you'd hope if there's no process maps in place, then people would ask the question if they're not sure how to do something. If you just do them, then blow the, the dust off them every year when you want to roll them out, I'd argue there's not a whole lot of point in doing that. We recommend with our clients that they review them on a quarterly basis. Now, normally whenever we say that to a client, they, they panic slightly, throw their hands in the air and say, that's far too much work. We can't do that. But every process map should have a process owner. And that owner should be very well informed on what's going on with the process. So if something changes in a three-month period, it should be instant in their head. Or if nothing's changed, it should be the work of seconds just to sign it off and say, yep, no changes, we're all good. If some of our clients want to do it on an annual basis, and there's two really big challenges with that. One is at the end of a year, if you've changed nothing in that process map, will you remember every little change that has gone on when you come to update it? And the second thing is for anyone managing that, if you get all of these change requests coming in through one hit at the end of the year, you suddenly got a big backlog of work to do and you're back into that same problem. If it takes three months to get onto one of those change requests just because of the sheer volume, the process might have changed again by the time you've got that in place. Um. Micro-businesses, one or two-person organisations, should they be mapping processes as their business starts? And what would those maps look like? I'd question whether they'd need someone like us to go in and work with them on an ongoing basis to do it, but we you could certainly provide them guidance on what they need to be doing. I think that's the key is looking at what their critical processes are. 
doesn't have to be complicated at that point if it's just a almost a knowledge exercise you're documenting these to get a marker in place with microsoft office you get visio which is a a fairly standard process mapping tool wouldn't go over the top with how you document that just get the key information in there just keep it simple don't put in lots of different colors to represent things on there and by the time you it's a million colors on there you need another key to decipher what they all mean and once again people are not going to use it full disclosure john that's exactly what i do with the colors so um <laughs> but everyone does everyone's desperate to use these things no i totally get that let's put that behind us and move on now, this podcast is all about advice. I've just had some advice, so fantastic. Thank you very much. In fact, Ismeco is all about finding and providing advice. So can you please tell us one piece of great advice that you've received in your life or career? And this can be from anyone. One piece of advice, if you please, John. So I think for me, it, it resonates as much today as it did at the time, is keep it simple. I used to work up in the city of London, and one of the things I used to do was write reports of management around control points how things were going within the business and I was convinced that detail was important here pack lots of really in my view interesting detail in this report tell them as much as possible and my boss came over one day and he said to me you know no one reads this don't you and I, I won't repeat my exact answer to what I said then but I wasn't impressed he said there's just too much in here he goes, just break keep it simple put it in bullet points and I must say I ignored him for a couple of weeks because I was adamant detail is good people want to know exactly what was going on we had the same conversation again, you know, keep it simple. And I changed that report just to bullet points. It felt so alien to do it the first time. I looked at it and thought, well, I've gone from you know a few hundred words here down to pretty less than less than 50. But I got questions this time. People wanted to know a bit more about what was going on. They asked the questions that way to get the detail they wanted. If you keep things simple, people will engage what they need to. But if they need additional information, they'll seek it out but you overload them with data and information, it just all gets lost in the noise. The last three to five years have seen a huge shift in ways of working. Everything's been flipped on its head. What does that mean for business processes? I think, yeah, let's use staff onboarding again as an example. It's changed hugely over the, that time with people not going into the office to meet people, things being done over Zoom calls during the pandemic, that there was um, a survey of HR managers and they said that 94% of the people they'd employed never had direct contact with uh, anyone at the company before starting, which I can't even imagine it was the opposite figure before that. I imagine it was close to 100% had direct contact with me taken on for a job. But if it's changing to that degree, you've got to think how your processes change in line with that. What needs to be thought of differently if you're doing things via Zoom calls? How are you providing information to you know that candidate? How are things being tracked? How are you getting feedback from different managers? Understand how your processes change in line is important here because if you carry on trying to do it the way you did and make it fit the new way of working, you're going to find it goes wrong or people make decisions themselves on exactly what to do. Because the risk is if you don't control that, people start to develop their own ways of doing it. And the more they develop their own different way of doing it, the more versions of that process you get. So if you have what you thought was a straight line process with one way of doing it, if two people in there have got different ways of doing it. They might sometimes follow the normal process. They might sometimes do it differently. You've potentially got three different processes in there now, and that quickly escalates. And I guess that example you've just made about people doing things in different ways and coming up with their own processes, that's exacerbated by the fact that we're working virtually. Inevitably, we're having to improvise and process maps and processes in general are more important as a result of that decentralization. 
when you're out of the office, don't have that contact, it's much easier just to, as you say, decentralized, people come with their own way of doing things. Yeah, let's say someone develops a new way of dealing with a client. Well, what happens when that person's on holiday? Does the client get the same service? Does that change? How's the client going to feel with that? Bob isn't dealing with his stuff this week and the service is completely different. How would people know that had changed? But it also brings risk in sometimes. You know, we've seen people change a process unwittingly they've introduced risk into by you know, removing a step that they didn't really see was important or shortcutting something to try and do something faster, but not being aware of the risk that creates. Having a point of referral like a process map and a system in place for changing it make sure those things always come to the surface. Fantastic. Thanks, John. So uh, moving on to the second piece of great advice that you've ever received. So I'm conscious here, both of mine sound slightly facile, but they're quite basic in their nature. But the other one is, we're going back many years here. I was doing management training probably better part of 30 years ago. There was lots of different elements to it. And one of the questions they asked one day is, how should you treat other people? Our parents have told us, probably been told at school, treat other people how you'd like to be treated yourself. And everyone in that management training course trotted out that line. And they just came up with, you treat people how they want to be treated. At the time, and as it seems slightly obvious perhaps now, that was a bit mind-blowing for me. I was like, hold on, we've always been told, treat people how you want to be treated yourself. But it's all about adapting to the way a particular person responds to something. It's understanding that because that comes into play a lot in the terms of the work we do. You know, not everyone likes people coming and asking how they do their job, which is what we need to do. But we need to identify that fairly quickly, you know, what we're dealing with and be able to treat them in that way that they're looking to be spoken to you. Yeah, I mean, it sounds obvious in hindsight, but as a, someone in their 20s being told that this different way of interacting with people was so key was a real change for me. Yeah, I love that. Treat people how they want to be treated. It's it's something that I think is quite hard to know when you're a younger person, when you're in your 20s. It, you develop empathy, I think, and apologies to anyone who's um, not crawling along in middle age like I am. You develop empathy as you grow older and you learn that that bombastic approach to, to doing things your way doesn't always sit with everybody else well. So yeah, no, I completely agree with that. So Map Your Process makes these process maps. How do you then make sure that the processes that you've created are implemented and used properly? Are there ways to make the processes sticky? I.e., are there ways to make sure that people feel compelled to use them? So I think, take your first point about how do you make sure people are following them? That's the hardest part of this because we can create a process map. We can run through it with everybody, get them to sign off that they have understood it. But people are people. When they get back into their jobs, they might go back to their previous way of working. It's about trying to get them to see the benefits of working the new way. So you've always got to keep that in mind. What's in it for them? You've really got to focus on that element and Sometimes it's focusing on the the downside if they don't follow that way. You know, just because we go in and map a process doesn't mean that Bob, who's done his job for the last 20 years, can go home that night and go, what a result, map your process have been in. I don't have to remember how to do my job tomorrow. Clearly doesn't happen that way. It's about trying to get people to see the upside of doing the process a different way. Now, there's ways we you can make that stickier through you know different tools like workflow tools that kind of enforce this or this checklist software which can be really helpful in making sure people follow that right process but there's an element of trust has to go in there I think the other part of this is a bit that I'm really probably most passionate about is a way of getting people engaged with this 
you know, use the software, follow those maps. And one of the things we really try and put in place with our clients is to get members of staff to submit process improvement ideas because I guarantee if every company is sitting on a gold mine of ideas, in 95% of companies, I reckon, it is not being even looked at. You've got to do this properly. If you can get people engaging with thinking about how they can improve the process, then they need to look at those process maps, how it's done today. They need to be thinking about how they do their job. People who do it day in, day out, they hear the client frustrations. They see where they're doing additional work that doesn't need to be done. They, they're the ones who, whatever it is, they feel the pain on a day-to-day basis. And if you can get those ideas coming out from them and always relating it back to the process, they almost have to think about that. Make sure that every idea is looked at, every idea gets feedback, and they actually implement them. There's nothing worse. If you come up with you know, what you think is a game-changing idea, everyone applauds and says, yeah, great job, that's amazing, and never does anything about it because it is so important to get people bought in because it has that knock-on effect of them taking process seriously, looking at the process, and want to change them. Fantastic. Thank you, John. Um, okay, so we've saved the most difficult question for last. This podcast is all about advice, and everybody loves a disaster story, a bit of drama. So what is the worst piece of advice that you have ever received? So it is in a work environment, because it's one of the things I look back on. I'm slightly mortified that I, I even went through with it. But my management style, I'm a fairly easygoing person. I'm not a shouter or anything like that. So I was in a relatively senior role, and there were some problems in my department got called in by the CEO who put it down to my management style. He said, I want you to call a meeting with your team and I want you to read them the riot act. And the back of my head, I was thinking, this is not right. He said, you've got to change. The only way you're going to get anywhere is by being much stronger, being much more. Don't think he used the word aggressive, but it was along those lines. And more for me, I went through with it. I got my whole team in a meeting room and I read the riot act, shouting, carrying on. I could tell by their faces, they were all thinking, what the hell's happened here? What's happened to him? Has he had a breakdown in the sort of the, the one hour since he went in that meeting room came out? Yeah, the most ludicrous advice I've ever got because you've got to be yourself. You've got to be authentic in these things. If people think you're just doing it because of what you should do, it's never going to work. Even though we were struggling with something, I would have still got better results out of people had I got in and used my normal approach because that's me. I'm not a shelter. You know, I rarely lose my temper. Going and changing all that on the back of what someone had told me to do was 100% the wrong thing to do. I look back now on it and I cringe. I mean, where did you summon this pretend rage from? Um, I think I copied my my boss, if I'm honest, because that's how he went about things. He was very much a ultra-directive about things. So I I guess I tried to mimic how he would do it. And it was, it was just ludicrous, Ed. It really was. It's embarrassing now even talking about it because I got it so so wrong and actually the results went down for a week on what we were doing because everyone just was not interested but yeah that's the the biggest mistake i've ever made i think john stanton from map your process thank you very much indeed for coming on is me in conversation my pleasure it's been great talking to you and thanks for thanks for taking the time thank you very much indeed john stanton from map your process Now, if you found these pieces of advice useful and you'd like access to other experts covering all aspects of running a business, firstly, please do subscribe to the podcast. Thank you very much. But also head to ismianco.com where you'll find all kinds of advice for business leaders. Thanks very much for listening.